Hi, I'm Vanessa Bellin. Welcome to the First Gen Collective. You can follow me on Instagram at the First Gen Collective. Thank you for joining me on this storytelling journey. This is episode one of what hopefully will be season one. In this episode, Rosa Rodriguez will be sharing her story. She is incredible. She's a first gen, a mother, a wife, a Queens girl, just like me. Let's get into it. So hi, everyone. Um, I am with the beautiful Rosa Rodriguez. Um, happy belated Mother's Day, Rosa. Thank you. Thanks um, for having me. Of course. So you're my first guest, Rosa. How excited is this? Woo! I know. It's exciting. This is so, so cool. I'm so proud of you for doing this. This oh, is thank really, you. really exciting. Thank you so much. So I, um, just to connect the dots here, I used to work with Rosa back in my finance days, I actually sat right next to Rosa. And yes. I was always so um, impressed with Rosa. She had such grit. She's such a hard worker. Um, she had to overcome so many obstacles. I mean, she is truly like a success story, <laughs> a first gen success story. And like, that's exactly what I want to bring to life and share. These are the stories that I think um, we, we need to hear more of them. They matter. And they're so important. Um, Absolutely. Right. So so just to get into it, and we're, we're just going to um, have a discussion. It's like me and you, Rosa, catching up on the phone. or, or, or I know. Like, I miss right? those days, too. Yeah. To do that I know. This, I know. Sure. So, so Rosa is a first gen, um, like me. And I want to go into, like, tell me about your family, um, what it was like growing up, Um where you grew up I know you grew up in Jackson Heights Queens which is like literally like a melting pot of so many (laughs) cultures um so tell me about that childhood schools what it was like growing up there yeah so my mom came to the states in the 30s well she she was in her 30s and I guess it was 1970s she went straight to Queens that's where our family had settled so Queens has always been home to all of us um, she started working at New York Hospital in Manhattan in the laundry department, and she worked there seven days a week, every day for 35 years until she retired. So you, you can tell that's where our work ethic came from, from a very, very early age. It was me and my sister. She was a single mom. Um, we had a lot of family in Queens, so it was always fun to be around the cousins, and although we only had, only had one sister... We had a lot of cousins and friends. Um, you know, Queens, like you said, was super rich and vibrant in cultures and still is. Um, I had a lot of friends of Latino descent. So everything was always very, felt very home. You know, we all had, you know, the same language. We could speak English, Spanish, Spanglish. You know, it, it was a, a 80s, 90s kind of, you know, environment where, just you know, wearing your hoops and expressing yourself. It was like a very fun time. I loved oh, it. Oh, the hoops. <laughs> Which I see you're bringing back, which I love. Yeah, I'm bringing back the hoops. I'm done. I'm done um, keeping them in my... I'm slowly getting there. But, yeah. you know, as you know, we'll talk more about that as a, I felt like it's something I had to oppress. Um, but yeah, I grew up in, in the... I went to school in Corona, which was, you know, a public high school. And it was talked about being, you know a tough neighborhood, a tough crowd. There was shootings and stabbings, you know, gang affiliations. I never felt unsafe, honestly. I mean, there was maybe things around it as in all high schools, 
but I didn't know anything more besides that, right? I didn't know about public schools or Catholic schools. So right. you know, I, felt, I felt great. I loved going to school and seeing my friends. You know, I never really experienced feeling scared going to school. But I knew the talks of when people are like, oh, you go there and didn't really. So know, interesting because you, you, like you are telling me that you're, you felt safe going to your school and that you were like with um, people like you loved and you cared about and yeah, you wanted yeah. to see them. Yeah, fun. yeah, I mean, school was fun. I can't say I was like a straight A student all the time. And, you know, I worked really hard to be an AB and I listened to my mom. She was super strict and I didn't want to fail anything. But yeah, no, going to school was great. Like walking there with my friends and, you know, being a sassy young Latina, as I feel like we all were and that maybe it was my home environment or my friends or school. But I always had that, you know, New York slash Latina attitude with me. Street smart. <laughs> Street yeah, it got me in trouble more than once. So, you know, I try to like hone it in now a little bit more. But yeah, I never felt unsafe. But it, even speaking to people now where I went to school, like, oh, there. I'm like, you know, I, I guess it's just because we are, that's all I knew. And that's where I was right. raised. Yeah, true. Um, so I know you have, an in, you have an interesting career story. And it's like <laughs> such a success story, too. Um, so walk me through, like, how did you start? Um, where are you now? And like, you had to overcome like a whole lot of adversity, break stereotypes, all of it. Yeah. Um, so walk me through some of like, how you ended up landing and working on Wall Street, and then the, all the things you um, had to overcome after that, like once you once you were there, you were in it. Yeah, I mean, again, going back to my work ethics from my mom, I just knew I had to, I had to get it done. Um, so I was 16, senior in high school. There was like a business program, honors club that I was in. They offered a few kids like going to school one week and doubling up on all your subjects. So you're essentially in school till 7 p.m. And then the following week, you go to work. And work could be anywhere in New York City, in Manhattan. And it was exciting. I thought this is great. I had never worked a job before. My mom didn't yeah. allow my sister and I to work small little jobs because she was afraid we leave school, fail school, you know, just so that's the thing, by the way, in the Latino mm -hmm. culture where like, because I remember my abuela would say to my dad, like, oh, if she start because my mom was all about yeah. it. She was like, she needs to get a job oh, really? to make her dollars. <laughs> um, like she needs to learn what it's like to make a dollar. And my mm. my dad's grandmother my abuela would be like no like when she starts working and she makes yeah. money she's gonna like money and she's not gonna go back to studying yeah. and like I find it so bizarre because the more I was working the more I was like all right I need to go to school I yeah. need to like bust my butt in school right because yeah, I, I can't like, be cashier forever right? or like I was like a <laughs> like I was a server like a cocktail waitress and I'm like I this is really hard work this is the hardest work I've ever done in my life seriously like Bless all it's the true. servers and the cocktail week. It's hard work, but it's you're a right. real thing. They're like, you're I never, never thought about that, but you're right. Cause I didn't experience that. But my mom was my mom's biggest fear is you're going to yeah. love money. You're going to leave school. And you know what? She told my sister and I that all the time, and whether it was because we were girls or not boys, I don't know, but that was a thing. So I kind of had to go behind her back and apply and then tell her afterwards, like, okay, this is what I did. And she was so angry. And she's like, you try to promise me that it was done. She's like, you have to promise me you won't fail. You will quit school. And I never thought of quitting school. So I was like, you're crazy. It's just going to be like fun, extra money. I mean, it was, 
maybe three dollars an hour like I can't remember but it was like little tiny amounts of money and I just wanted to be in Manhattan I thought that was amazing Um, girls going to the big city yeah and no one else in my family I feel like was working in Manhattan at the time or you know my sister is nine years older so she might have had some kind of like she was in college but it was like a whole new phenomenon and I thought yes I'm in um but again, you were thrown there. I went and like stood on the line. They gave me a card, like this is where you're working in index card. And I was like, all right, where is this? In a big investment bank. I'm like, all right. No one really said like, this is what you have to wear. This is what you have to do. Like, they're just like, just show up, ask for this person. They'll give you work. I mean, I guess like an internship, but like in a real yeah. company. Um, so shockingly enough, I remember not being scared. I was just excited. I'm like, what do I wear kind of thing. And then getting there, it was like a whole new world. Like I was definitely the youngest person in the building. So it was like, it was a new program too. So it wasn't like high schoolers. And it might be a thing now where there's a lot more high schoolers, but like college internship kids, fine, but not like 16 year olds. Right. So I was pretty much lying about my age for a while. Cause people were like, how old are you? I'm like, oh, 18. I mean, I wasn't even allowed to drink. Um, but I got there and immediately there was like half of the people were super like, oh, great. You know, we'll take you on our wings here. Go file this, go make copies. I was like, that's all I could really do. I didn't even have a desk. So I was kind of like floating around helping people. Um, but then there was also other folks like, oh, who's this girl with her hoops and my long nails in the nineties, even longer acrylic nails on there people have now. (laughs) And you know, my dark brown lipstick or whatever it was at the time. And I, I knew that I, next week I had to come back and not have my, you know, hoops and put my hair, you know, not in a high ponytail, like leave it down, like straight down. Yeah. I had to like really learn of what people were wearing. I'm like, Oh, okay. These shoes, all oh, this stuff, you know, it was like a whole new wardrobe for me, which my mom wasn't happy about, but yeah. you know, I started assimilating and like really going into this corporate world, which I, then I thought it was like fun. Right. Cause I had like a double life, you know, like this week. Isn't I had to that go crazy work. that you literally go like, I think now a lot of us are starting to realize how we were living a double life for a little bit. Like we yeah, are showing absolutely. up to work, taking off our hoops, like removing the red lipstick and like putting on like, you know, like some peach blush and yeah. clear lip gloss, and it's little like cardigan, little <laughs> cardigans, shopping at J. Crew, like getting, you know, um, it it's was a, a lot whole of different world. It's a, like sort of like a suppression of your um, of your true self, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going back to school when I was there, and it was like all day. You would all kind of talk about our experiences with that group, but outside of that, I didn't really tell people like. Oh, I was working on Wall Street this weekend, blah, blah, blah. Like no one cared. Like my friends at home, like people wanted to know like where's the party, where we're going, you know, as I did. And then when I went back to work on Monday, it wasn't like, what'd you do? And everyone was like, oh, I was in the Hamptons or I was here. And then I went away for the weekend. The nanny, I'd be like, I went to a party in Queens, but like, I didn't say anything. So it was pretty much me being quiet, sitting down, doing what I was told, Um, which, you know, in many, uh, many aspects really helped me be a great worker because I just wasn't involved of like you know trying to you know be in the caddy gossip teams as as you know people get into when you go to work yeah I was really young and I was like I don't want to be in trouble I just want to do my job and I want to go home and that's it so I really really focused on work which I guess made me even you know just better at anything I was doing um 
so I, we, I had a very good managers where I looked up to and slowly, you know, but I started seeing a lot of different worlds. This was, I mean, this was 1992, right? So yeah. this is Wall Street. This is like the movie. Um, right. It was a lot of Michael heart. To be, not the new one. <laughs> I mean, it was a lot. And, you know, cursing and the swearing and, you know, like people in their 30s and 40s and me, I'm like, oh my God, they're so old. And like, how are people behaving this way? So it quickly taught me of like, I want to be like that person. That's my role model. I don't want to be like that person. And oh my God, like, is this what happens when you're an adult? You know, not yeah. knowing any of these things and, and, and trying to navigate, not speaking my Spanglish when I went there, not having, you know, any, any slang in general, um, just really assimilating to them and becoming, you know, this, this corporate white world, because there was, 400 men where I worked and sat and could see them because it was open floor and, and maybe three or four women, two black folks in the whole company and me as a Latina, you know, so the only Latina, the only and young, you know, so there was a lot of stuff too, not to, you know, there was Christmas parties I was invited to, but I, was, I couldn't drink. So I wouldn't drink and I was afraid, you know, but I wanted to have fun and I wanted to see how these older folks had, you know, their parties um, but then shortly, thank, thankfully, I met like some great people and they like women that took me under their wing and it, we're still close to this day. And thanks to them, you know, I was able to find that role model at work where I couldn't go home and be like, hey, mom, like, how do I behave with these Wall Street men or even my sister or my cousin you know, or my friends? Like no one was teaching me of how to navigate this, this no very, one. very corporate, harsh Wall Street desk, you know, is what right, it was. Right. So I just kind of kept my head down out of trouble and worked really hard. So I, you know, that, that helped me for the first, I guess, three years, two years. And then I, I got pregnant Okay. and I was so scared, even more scared to tell my mom, cause I was like, she's going to kill me. Uh, it was 1995. I had to tell my manager, the woman that had hired me. And she was so disappointed. I felt oh like I was, God, what? <laughs> she was, but she was like a, she was a very good woman, like a leader and her point of view, she was an Italian older woman and she had been there since she was like 18. I think she was the longest person that had stayed at that company for like 50 years. Right. She got right. Bored. But she was like, we're women. We're, it's so much harder for us. Like when I was working and I got pregnant, I couldn't come to work. You couldn't show your belly. She was way like in the fifties. So she's like, we've come so far why would you do this? You're not married. It's going to be so much harder on you. And it came from a good place, but I was like, Oh my God, she's right. You know, she was just kind of preparing me. Like she's like, you're 19. This is a male dominant place. You're Hispanic, you know, but she, she loved me where she was like, I'm giving you a full-time job. I'm giving you a raise because she wanted me to do good. So I knew where she was coming from. It wasn't like, Oh, well, you're fired. No, she was like, it's going to be very hard for you. And I'm going to look out for you. But like, you're on your own and it's going to be hard. And it was, wow. you know, so I'm super grateful for her, but she immediately and immediately it was that, you know, it was hard because I became that statistic, the young Latino girl having a child out of wedlock um, in a industry, which, you know, was, wasn't very forgiving. And, you know, there were snarls and looks and gossips. I'm like, Oh my God, who's the daddy. And you know, it, was, it was very hard. I started working full time. I dropped out of college um, and it was, you know, I still kept working really hard, but now I felt even less um, an opportunity to be like, oh, I'm sick. I'm calling out sick or, 
you know, I need to go to this appointment. I just felt like I couldn't because yeah. everything was already against me. They're going to fire me, you know, and my mom, again, in my back of my head, being you know, like, just work hard. Don't, don't cause any ruckus. Don't let them, you know, fire you. Um, and I think at this point when I realized I'm like, I may be stuck here one, because, you know, now I may be a single mom um, and I didn't go to college, but that was like way back in my head. More so was my mom being like, you need to do this work and, and, and shut up and don't get in trouble and don't get fired because you'll never find another job. Like to her, right. you'll never find another job really right. was in her, in her head because she didn't speak English. She still doesn't speak English. So she was very grateful that she, she had a good, stable job with benefits, you know, and, and overtime. That's all that mattered to her. Yeah, that's, all, that's also a, like a, a big thing in, and can be a big thing in the Latino culture where like um, people are so grateful and like put their heads down and just mm-hmm. are like work hard, work hard, work hard, but don't like, it's really interesting to have a conversation when you speak with your parents and you're like mom or dad, like there's this opportunity, like there's more money, there's, mm-hmm. there's you know, people, the culture is better. And then your family's like, but what do you mean the culture is better? Like you have a good job now. And it's like, you have to sort of like break the mold and be like um, the person to tell them, like, you're allowed to try to get something better. You're allowed to make more money. You're allowed to tell people this isn't working for me anymore. Um, But that's something that like, doesn't come naturally to a lot of people in our culture. Like, they're just like, no, but you, what what you have now is working, but maybe it's, it's not working and there's something better for us. No, absolutely. And I think it, it stems from, you know, them being immigrants and yeah. just, you know, not having a lot of opportunities. So they're grateful for that one stable job and having yeah. that stable job, not having you know, a job off the books. And she, my mom cherished that, you know, she had, you know, um, all kind of health insurance because she worked at the hospital yeah. and pensions and, you know, in her days off and the real sick days. So she was grateful for that. So the minute that we had that, she was like, oh, this is it. Like you, you could be there 35 years like I was. And, you know, you just learned that. And I was like, okay, you know, it's funny because I, even though I grew up here and I knew English, I already knew I was one step ahead, right? Every time we went to an appointment, she'd be like, oh, can you translate for me? Even as an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old. And sometimes I'd feel like, oh, I know more than my mom, you know, but like in the back of my head, just being like, oh, but then I understood as I got older, she was just afraid, you know, afraid that, how she didn't want me to go to work, how she didn't want me to go out there. And even she didn't allow my sister and I to do sports or after school activities because she wanted us to be home when she called because she worked and she was single. And, and she was afraid, you know, from maybe the beginning of my life, I was a little resentful. Like, why can I join the team that everyone's joining? Yeah. And, but it was because she was scared and she didn't know English and she wanted us home. And that was the only way she can keep us safe and, you know, in her, in her world. Yeah. So, you know, I totally understand where that was coming from. Yeah, it's crazy how like, um, our parents, they made such a huge sacrifice, they came over and I feel like they paid so much of, um, they paved the way for us and made it easier for us. But a lot of people don't understand that for first generations, we end up being the translators, the sometimes Mm -hmm. the bookkeepers, sometimes like, Mm -hmm. like, for me, I was the oldest in my family. And like no one had applied to college before. And like, I was doing that on my own and you mm-hmm. were helping Jasmine. Um, we'll talk about Jasmine. I know. We were helping her down the, down the road, apply for her college admissions mm-hmm. because who was doing that 
prior to us. Like it, yeah. that's it. We were it. We we yeah. are the people doing it. So um, it's really interesting. Um, that's a lot of the adversity first gens have. Um, yeah. So tell me, like when you, so now you're pregnant with your daughter Jasmine. You have this job <laughs> on Wall Street. Um, you know, you are a Latina and in a male, white male dominated, like how, so how are you working through all of this? And, <sighs> and then tell me like from that moment and then how it got to, to where you are today. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, that manager that schooled me and told me to prepare myself, she was so clear cut, but it made sense, you know, months in. And I thought, okay, I know what she's talking about. I'm working my butt off. People are judging me. You know, I'm not getting any, you know, slack here and there. I just have to work just as hard, if not harder. Um, there was not a lot of people I could relate to during that time. I mean, a lot of my friends back at home in were in school, going to college, you know, going to spring break, traveling, doing what 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds do. I couldn't ask them for help or, you know, even tips and be like, what, what do I do as a new mother? And yeah. then people at work were 10 years older plus and single married or, you know, kids older, 10, 15 and white, couldn't really relate. Um, my mom taught me a lot as far as, you know, cooking and cleaning and our culture and how to, you know, keep a baby alive. But yeah. <laughs> there was other things where, like you said, I didn't know where the best daycare was or what was going to be, you know, what after school I'm going to go to. I obviously work, you know, what are the best schools in town? Like, she can't help me with that. And my sister was newly married. She had moved to Jersey. I was still in Queens. You know, everyone was moving on with their lives and I, I couldn't find my niche. You know, now there's like, you know, Google and internet and, yeah. and you know, groups that you could join. You mommies, like, oh my God, how much I wish that would have been a thing yeah. there. You know, I, I think I got a couple of books here and there and, you know, just kind of was winging it. Um, working, you know, was with her dad for a few years uh, until she was about four. And, you know, again, from a, a Latina perspective and culture, my mom, I think she knew it wasn't a good fit in the beginning. I mean, we were both young and, you know, we didn't know any better. I was never married, but she was like, you got to make it work. You know, you got to make your husband happy and we got to figure it out. And you don't want to be, you know, a, a single mom like she was. And I, I'm sure that was where her love was coming from her and her yeah. fright was she didn't want me to end up the same way, you know? And she's like, you can't work at a factory like me. You can't work here. Like you have to work in an office and you can't be a single mom. So I think I, I, I just stood with her father longer than I should. You know, I finally left due to domestic violence and it was no good, you know? And, yeah. but yeah. you're at a point where you're like 24 years old, you have like a four-year-old you're hearing your mom on one end saying, you know, like you can't be alone. No one's, no one's going to ever marry you or no one's ever going to want to like raise your child. And, you know, I think she believed that she made me believe it, but, but it was, it was so bad and toxic and hostile at home that I just, I knew that it was, someone was going to be dead or in jail and, or my daughter yeah. was going to be with no parents. So you, yeah. you make that choice. And as a 24 year old, it was so hard. Like but those again, are the decisions 24 year olds are making these <laughs> yeah. days. They're just like, I mean, oh, should I go to like Italy or Cape Town? Exactly. Like, not and making I'm decisions so like glad that. my daughter's not making that decision. But like at that time, it was just like, okay, I stay alive. You know, I move on. Maybe my mom is right. I'll be alone and single forever and I'll be an old hag. But who cares? Or, you know, 
but I had a job. So I always felt like that was my safety net. Right? I'd, go to, stability, right? I'd go there and then you pretend everyone's great. Everyone's like eating $20 salads and right. we're talking about their Italy vacation. And right. I'm like, oh my God, like someone's at home and he's violent and help me. Like, who do I talk oh to? Like, yeah. you know, again, people are going to be judging you. People are not. I mean, maybe there was some people that could have helped me. And, you know, I had some really good friends, but I'm young and I'm embarrassed and who am I talking to? And then family members too. Like when you're in a situation like that, you don't know who to go to, right? You think your family's going to judge you. You think your coworkers are going to judge you. You think no one's really going to understand. So the only way I could do was just get away. And, you know, I made my choice. I moved. That's when I moved to Jersey. This is about 2003. And I really, really, really got close to that one co-worker and she like saved my life she got me into running and you know how we yes, both yes. done marathons that's right yeah she was such an inspiration her name is Jackie we're still friends she was so strong she's the only black woman that was there at this company for a very long time well respected so she was my role model and she's like come running with me you'll feel great and you know I hadn't lost baby weight immediately like I lost 30 pounds working out oh with my her God. and she was like this is great. We could do races. And I was like, you're crazy. I've never run more than on the treadmill. And we started doing half marathons and we did marathons together. We did four, like oh my God. she changed my life. So all of a sudden I was so confident. I was done with, you know, this bad relationship in my life. My daughter was getting bigger. She was looking up to me. She was six, seven, eight, watching me run. Like it was a whole different you know, instead of falling into depression, which I easily could have, you know, could have been something terrible. I mean, people lose their jobs all the time. Yeah. You know, I do accredit it to this woman having this force in front of me and wow. and just being like, you know, she actually saw me at work every day too, right? So it was helpful to be like, hey, you know, not not that family wasn't there for me, um, but she was like the one constant person. And she's like, this is going to help you. And like, people always say, like, if you feel sad, go running and endorphins. I mean, right, it, right. Really, it really was a thing. And it's you've true. done that, so you know. Yeah, like, no, it I mean, your life. it's the best thing ever to. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard and grueling, it's but it's so freaking <laughs> hard. And when you're doing it and you're like mile 20, you're just like, I, I'm going to go catch a cab, maybe like, this is so hard. Or like, why am I doing this? this why am I doing this to myself? But there's some, as happy as I you know, am. But, like, yeah. Right. But there's definitely something there in that, like, you are like, you turned all of what was happening in your life. And you weren't just surviving, but you were thriving. Like you were yeah. like, I'm killing it. Like, I'm a great mom. I'm going to go run this marathon. I'm going to go like, I'm like, my job is, is going great. So like, you were like, a, a success story. Yeah, I had to hold on to something good, right? Because the home wasn't good. And then I made a choice to move out all the way to Jersey by myself. My mom was so mad. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm have oh, to I leave. That. That. I have to leave the state. Like I had to be as far away as from everyone. But then looking back, I'm like, well, that was kind of dumb. Maybe I needed family to really help me. Because then I started relying with, you know, moms in schools. Luckily, by then she, you know, was in school. So you make mom friends. No matter what, you're never alone. Once your kid goes to school, you're never alone. Like, that's my key to every new mom out there. Like, you won't be alone. Um, And then within that community, people help you. But I did fall back on work where I knew I was doing good. I added exercise. I saw how good my daughter was doing. 
Like I was finally, you know, free of this extra stress at home. I was like at peace at home. I, you know, then I just took a turn and, and enrolled her in every single sport I could ever imagine because, you know, something so I did missed. the opposite that your mom did. <laughs> yeah, I was like vicariously living through her. I was like, you need to do all the sports Aww. ever. Yeah. And she was great. And she was so excited and always so proud of me. You know, it, it was a different feeling. It was like, a, I found a different way to, to parent and mother um, without having, you know, really been taught anything. And, you know, by this point, I think on my second job, because I was at my first on eight years, second job was there seven years, another, you know, um, trading desk and younger people. So I was able to relate a little bit more, smaller firm, um, develop some good friends where I can trust and, and share ideas, you know, and the good thing about this job, you know, there was a lot of adversity in the beginning with, you know, me being a, a young Latina in the yeah. 90s. You know, it's kind of cruel world. Um, it was the hardest job to this day that I've ever had. I must say, my first job. Um, but because it really of all the me. yeah, because of all the things you were experiencing. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of sexual harassment then that no right. one cared about. There was this all types of discrimination. There was no just, me too back then. But there's no need to. It was still going on. But you go to the bathroom and cry by yourself as a woman. I tell you, you shake it off, and people are like, "Do not cry here." I'm like, "Okay, that was like you know the one thing you had to do. Just do your work. Be like a man. Be a man. Be like a man. Be like um, a white man is what they really yeah. mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, be your white man." Sure. Um, and ignore all those, you know, hidden, you know, microaggressions or anything. But when I got to my second job, it was like a smaller group, you know, there was still stuff, you know, being said and done, but I was already like been through that, you know, hazing for eight years. And so you're I, more well-equipped and prepared yeah, for that. Yeah. Like the thick skin really came in, yeah. you know, my daughter's thriving. She's like seven or eight. We make good friends. I'm able to bounce off ideas with really smart people, you know, and, and I do credit besides it being really hard to adapt in the beginning um, to work. I've always worked with really, really smart people like book smart. Yeah. And I grasped as much as I could from that, you know, again, the back of my head, having that, you know, insecurity of never finishing college and not living in this world that they all went to Ivy leagues mostly. Um, and just, I met kind, smart people. So people started helping me like, oh, you're sending your kids to this camp. I'm like, maybe I should do that for Jasmine. You know, there's this after school. Maybe I, I mean, wait, can we talk about camp for a second and how like that just does not exist in our culture? Like my like same thing, like I, I would have some friends, too, that would be like off to summer camp. And I would be like, wait, mom, like, do you know about these like summer camps? And she's like, no, pero eso no es para nosotros. And I'm like, yeah. what do you, what do you mean? Like, wait, Absolutely. why can't I, why can't I go to summer camp? And she's like, no, like you're, you'll be home this summer. And I'm like, okay. But like all my, all my white friends are off to summer camp, like oh, loving yeah. life. And I'm like, why am I home? She's and like, she's, only white people do that. Right. And she's like, <laughs> Latinos is, don't do that. Right. They're like, this is not, we don't do that. Like, like kids stay home with their parents. I'm like, yeah. this is ridiculous. But I mean, she also sent me to, or the other options was like, she sent me to Central America with my abuela for the summer. Like, oh, yeah, those yeah. are my two options. Like, yeah. no summer camp. <laughs> your family, that's your or summer you can camp. go with your abuela to Central America. Those were my options. That was it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I mean, shockingly, I think I only went to Ecuador once uh, when I was 13, but it, it wasn't for like a summer camp. But besides that, I never was shipped off. I was just always home with my sister. And you know, with my daughter, I was like, oh, there's such thing as summer camp. I mean, I knew of no like sleepovers. I couldn't have sleepovers growing up either. 
And so I did relate that with my daughter. I did do that. She'd be like, oh, let's see. But I'm like, no, no sleepovers. Only a few sleepovers in this house because it was like ingrained in me for my mom. Yeah. But when it came to summer camp, I mean, I started slowly. I did like day camps. And then eventually I did like a volleyball camp for two weeks. And my mom was beside herself. Oh my God, she's going to be killed or, you know, sexually abused or like right. the worst things imagined. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible mother. But I went with my gut and I still did it, even though my mom would say no. And she was very against it, believe me. Um, but, you know, again, I, I trusted the research that I had done, the opportunities that were going to open for her, you know, I wanted her to have like all parents more than what we, you know, we experienced and we right. had, we want, we want more and more and more for our kids. So as long as I can provide it, whether it was because I was, you know, had a better job at this point, better pay, or I had like now good networking, you know, available to me at work and good friends that helped me do this. Um, I was trying to like do the best I could for her. You know, the, yeah. those are really hard decisions to make but in the end they were like they paid off so well that I, I don't regret that I, I you know whether my mom thought it was a terrible thing to do because she needs to be by my side at all times you know it's also the service we do with our you know Latino communities like they need to also you need to trust them and give yeah. them opportunities and make let them make their own mistakes yeah it's like applying to colleges and having some like for me my family was like wait so my mom was all about it, but my other, like, you know, my dad and, and like that type, like they were more like skeptical. They're like, wait, but why do you need to leave the house to go to college? And it's like, because yeah. I would like to have like mm-hmm. the, the college experience. But I mean, I have so many thoughts on that now, like yeah. as a grown up, like I feel like what was my college experience and all of that. But I think it's definitely our culture is like, wait, where, where are you? Why are you going to college? What, oh, yeah. Not why are you going to college? Why are you going away? Away. Why do you yeah, need you to can drive away? there and come back? Right. And it's like, no, but that's not what we want to do. Like, not at yeah, all. But. That was another fight with my mom, too. And, you know, I sent my daughter away to college in four years. And it was the best thing we, it was for the both of us. Yeah. You know, and I wanted her to experience something I didn't and, yeah. and get something, whether, you know, it's, it's good or bad at the end, whether you hate your college or you love it, you know, it's an experience I feel like all kids should do, you know, it's like a yeah. rite of passage for them in America, at least, you know, forget about cultures, but I think it is something that is helpful for them. For sure. I mean, you learned so much in those four years about yourself and it's, mm-hmm. it's good to leave the nest for sure. Yes. Um, so I know, so I know you mentioned like Wall Street and um, how hard it is to grow up, um, not to grow up, but, well, you did grow up and work in that industry both you did both at the same time but tell me a little more about like um like some of the microaggressions you experienced in that industry um because like I've definitely experienced them um like I can tell you I had a boss who once um texted me and asked me to send him pictures so that he could hook me up with one of his friends um he's old and I'm not trying (laughs) to meet any of your friends. And I remember like reading that in disbelief and being like, why is this happening to me? Why is this like, this is not normal. Um, I can tell you that I've had conversations with men around me speaking in the most disrespectful way about Mm -hmm. women. And I felt like I had, I had no voice to say anything because then they would be like, Oh, um, 
you know, then they like put you in a box. You're not in a boys group. Yeah. You're not in a boys group. They put you in a box. So like, those are like some of my experiences and um, like, I'll always remember them. And now I think that that, like that shit just does not fly now. Like you cannot Mm -hmm. do that. But I, I don't think people thought about this until recently about how they talk in front of women, how yeah. they behave, how they treat women of color. Um, I've had the stereotype of like, um, oh my God, like you speak fluent Spanish, but your English is so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm That's like, like a number one thing. <laughs> it is like mind blowing to me that those two things go hand in hand. Like I can speak perfect English I could also speak perfect Spanish those two things don't um so those are some of the things that I've had where I'm just like so mind blown that like people think like this yeah I mean absolutely I mean that is definitely I've experienced all those things um and again you know starting work in the 90s where you saw it all you know I would hear terrible things and you know people would curse at me just because they were mad, not just me, but everyone. But I think with the women there, they just felt like it was okay. No one thought bad about it. You know, you didn't think of crying. So you had to hold that yourself, like of any kind of, you know, um, just, just being afraid of to speak up. You just, you had to hold it in. But, you know, there were times where like, I felt super excluded from meetings where I, I had asked to be, oh, can I be in this meeting? I think it'd be helpful. They said no. And I think it was because I was just a young woman. They yeah. just didn't think I had anything to bring to the table. Before before I was an admin, I was I was an, uh, an assistant to an order clerk. So I would enter orders back in the system back. And now it's all automated. But you'd call in for the orders from, you know, the New York Stock Exchange up to the desk. So I wasn't an admin. But everyone saw a young girl, Latina, and they just thought I was an admin, you know. So I didn't even really know what an admin was in my first job. And it'd be like, oh, can you go get me coffee? why are you asking me to get coffee? Um, are you kidding <laughs> me? It was very like, I shouldn't know then that would be my career path, but <laughs> I was just always floored. Like, okay, then should I, should I not like you? I just, I felt like I couldn't say anything. There many years of my life. I just felt like work hard, forget what they're saying. There was, you know, ill talk all around me, sexual talks or just dumb talk, you know, putting other people down, whatever it was, I just became invisible you know, I always felt like I shouldn't rough bunny feathers. I'm just going to shut up unless someone deliberately maybe attacked me physically, then I would speak up. But besides that, I never spoke up and, you know, being involved in so many DEI discussions now in my new company and just seeing how, you know, the Me Too, I'm just so proud of everyone to finally come out and speak, you know, it's going to be new for our generation. You know, it's going to be great yeah. for Jasmine and her kids and they're not, they're not going to experience hopefully, you know, things that we had to just be quiet. You know, I remember speaking in Spanish to like the cleaning lady or the mailroom guys because they were the only Latinos and my coworker is getting mad and saying, why are you speaking Spanish? You can't speak Spanish here. We all speak English. Like, what are you saying? Oh my God. I you know, so cannot that was always a thing. And, I, you know, I, I would just shut up and not say anything. Like, oh, sorry. And I keep it moving. You know, I, I didn't ruffle a lot of feathers at all until like, Probably my, you know, last job where I just I had been already like 20 plus years. And I was like, all right, I think I'm, I think I'm going to say something now, but it, yeah, it's just yeah. so sad that it took so long, right. That you're, you're living in America where you're supposed to be free to speak, but you know, whether you're a woman of color or you're, you're a woman in general, or you're young 
or you feel you don't have all the qualifications, you, you hold yourself back, you know, yeah. sometimes not necessarily other people, it's yourself, right? And luckily, I think we're, we're getting past that and we're doing such a better job for our new generation. Yeah, I mean, I think it takes a lot of, um, like you have to muster up the confidence and the like mm-hmm. energy to be able to like feel that you can say what you need to say, right? Because like mm-hmm. you could say to people like, hey, like it's not cool if you say mm-hmm. to me, um, oh my God, but your English is so perfect. Like, can you just realize and take a moment to reflect on what you just said to me and how mm-hmm. like that is, absolutely a microaggression like not cool yeah. um I don't think you could say that like a few like couple even a couple of years ago I don't think you could say that yeah. like, I, think, no. I think with everything that happened within the last year um I mean I think we have a lot to thank George Floyd for that because people were just like mm-hmm. I am not gonna look at any of the bullshit behavior that I've been seeing my entire life and not say something anymore like I'm done I'm done just being silent over here in my little box or trying to like please people or please people. So, um, so yeah. I'm going to move, I'm going to move to imposter syndrome. Cause I know, I know you probably like myself have gone through like spouts of that. I think imposter syndrome, it comes back to haunt you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to sort of deal with it, but walk me through like when you were going to leave your last company. And what yeah, you were I mean, at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I felt, you know, always insecure. I always said I'd go back to college. It was never a good time, whether it was just me being scared or finding an excuse. I never had a good time. I always had her, you know, raising my daughter and everything was for her and, and work, right? So I'd work crazy hours. And every job I had, I made myself available like 24-7, like for no reason, just because I felt like I needed to work so much harder than everyone else. Um, and that's imposter syndrome, by the way. Yeah, you have to, like, I just had to, I had to, because I have a kid and there's no one else I can rely on. Right. There's no spouse at home saying, oh, don't worry. If you lose this job, you have the next job. Or, you know, my savings are very minimal, you know, putting Jasmine and she went to Catholic school, you yeah. know, and then sending her to college and everything just, you know, counting on me to pay for everything. And then, you know, you want your little splurges here and there. Like I wanted some nice shoes here and there, you know, there was no vacation. Well, Rosa, every time I saw you at work, you were dressed <laughs> to the nine. So it's you like, were always looking for my little splurges. So I'm like, yeah. I, need, I need my job. There's no way I can. So if I need to work extra because I want to shine, like I, I would do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and at times it was, you know, at my daughter's expense, uh, you know, I, I do feel bad about that at times where I'm like, I can't make it to your volleyball game because I need to work, you know, extra, or I'm afraid to ask for permission to leave early. Um, so, you know, one, I remember also one of the just worst things that were ever said to me along many in the, my career, one of them, someone said to me, Oh, don't worry. Um, you're doing great. You've done a wonderful job in my review. And she said, don't worry, your boss doesn't even know you have a kid. You're doing so well. We don't even, we don't even know you have a kid. And I felt so, I mean, obviously I, I was getting a good review, but I also thought, wow, that means I'm not paying any attention to my daughter. Like what oh kind of mother God. am I? You know, I felt awful, you know, but didn't make me work any less. It didn't make me work any less hours. But I remember being told that and just, it was such a reflection of like, why am I doing this? 
doing this for my daughter. I'm doing this to pay college. I'm doing this because I don't have a college degree. I'm doing this because there's nothing else out there for me. So for many years, I thought I had nothing else out there um, because of what was holding me back. And then plus my mother telling me not to ruffle any feathers. And then that going out there and having been on an interview for a few years and not really knowing, you know, being prepared and to go interview, it is, you know, kind of scary in this industry. And, you know, they're very thorough. Um, but just, just knowing that I didn't have a college degree and people I work with were all like Ivy League schoolers, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard. But I, you know, again, just worked extra, extra hard. I would do anything, you know, weekends, you want that extra cup of coffee, you know, eventually I became an admin and I enjoyed yeah. it. And I'm a free admin. I love it. Um, once I made that transition, I feel like this also connected me to like my motherly side. And, you know, I love being a mom at home and I was kept Jasmine in check. That was also strict. Than her. <laughs> then yeah. I would go to work and I was like strict on calendars, strict on organizing. You know, by the time you came, I was, you know, one of the, the head admins in our team. And I, I knew exactly like what I wanted, when, when to speak up, to get stuff done um but it was at some cost and some expense and that was my my family at home you know which was jazz and i i do have some of those regrets and i i know we've spoken about this many times she doesn't hold any of that against yeah. me yeah she's yeah. super even more responsible even more independent because i'd be like come on you have to go to school i don't care if you're sick and you have a fever like we have to go mommy can't call out you know and and that is kind of ingrained in her as well as far as the work ethic um, but I give it to a lot of these young kids now that will speak up and say, no, I, I need a mental day or I need, you know, to take some time off or I have vacation mom, I'm going to take it. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. You're not a single mom trying to raise a kid. I'm afraid you're going to get fired. You know, you have right. a college degree. So it's like, I have to check myself now, but just being in the industry for so long, you know, it, it made you insecure in ways that even if you didn't have, even I'm sure other people felt insecure when you were just, you know, working with someone for so long and, you know, you hear stuff all day, you know, it, it's, it's amazing what you end up feeling about yourself. Yeah. I mean, we, we tend, like, I think we both work in industries where, and, and our former industries where, I mean, people just show up with excellence, right? Like they are just the, like the Ivy leaguers and all of that. I, I didn't go to an Ivy league school, but um, I think, that I don't, I, I don't let that um, be an obstacle for me anymore. Like, I'm just like, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Like you, because you know what, do you know how many times like all of this, like drama that happened with like the parents paying for yeah. their kids <laughs> to get into colleges? I mean, yeah. I'm sure we worked with people in our industry <laughs> yes. that were one of those people that paid for them. So like, yeah. I don't even let that interfere with my thoughts anymore because I'm like maybe yeah. maybe maybe his grandfather went there or her grandfather went there or you know so like everyone's success story is so different and their path is so different whether there's college involved or not there's still like mm -hmm. a hustle and so mm -hmm. like you can't um yeah. you can't you can't compete with that hustle like no one yeah. can compete with their hustle Rosa that's <laughs> that's just yeah, it's it took me many years to really listen to that. And, and people are telling me over and over again, and such good friends that I've met along the way and sit there and talk. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Like, I do deserve this opportunity. Oh, you're right. right. I don't deserve to be spoken like this, you know? And right. again, I don't know if that came from me just, you know, being insecure about different things in life and, and being a young, you know, mom growing up in this industry, 
you know, I felt like I had, you know, parents at work and I had parents at home and it, they were both so conflicting and so completely opposite, you know, and like recently I spoke to, I told my daughter this, that I spoke to a friend from high school recently over the phone for some, uh, birthday or something. And he said, wow, you don't sound like yourself. I'm like, Oh really? He's like, yeah, you sound white. Oh, man. And I was like, what? He's Colombian. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. I'm at work. Like, what am I supposed to sound like? I'm like, wow, this is completely opposite than I thought. You know, usually be like the white person telling me that I don't sound Latina or I don't sound like I have an accent. And this just happened like a few weeks ago. And I was blown away. You know, obviously. I was like, well, is he remembering the Rosa he knew and thinking like how? I mean, it was high school, but again, I'm like, okay, this is very weird. But you know, he speaks perfect English. I can't say he, you know, he sounds white, but I, it was just so bizarre. And I'm like, okay, you know, we're, we're still dealing with this no matter what. So you feel like you don't fit in, right? I'm like the perfect white, you know, slash Latina slash, you know, good worker at work. Then I come home and I'm like Spanglish. I do speak Spanish. And then I speak English and I speak Spanish all day long. Um, but I've embraced it more at work now where I will speak Spanish. I'll say things in Spanish. And I feel like because times have changed, people laugh and they're okay with it. And Oh my God. I have so embraced it. I literally (laughs) will like, and you know, like I remember, I remember when we worked together and we did talk to the cleaning ladies and like the people who were like, you know, um, the people that worked in the building, I always like, I always will talk to those people because you know Mm -hmm. what, those people that, that guy, that's my dad. Like my mm-hmm. dad works yeah. um, in the in the buildings um, as a handyman, and I'm like, yeah. I will never treat those like those people yeah. deserve more respect than any you know person, any managing partner at the firm who like went to Harvard. Like I do not care about that. I care about mm-hmm. like the the guy who's keeping our building running, who's like the ladies who are cleaning yeah. our offices. Like though, like I feel like those are the people who like, I will go out of my way to be like, good morning. Yeah. Like, how are you doing? Que pasa? Como esta? Como esta tu familia? Like, I will yeah. literally ask them how they're doing because I care about those people. Like, yeah. And the other ones that are going to go family. above and beyond for you. Yes. And I see my family. I see, um, I see like their hustle, their struggle, their gratitude for the job that they have. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, um, it's interesting, yeah. but as you mentioned before, you're like, yeah, I'm talking to the cleaning lady. I'm talking yeah, to I mean, it makes them so happy also to like actually, you know, relate to someone at this, you know, building. And I'm sure they don't necessarily run into that all day long. Yeah. So, I mean, in my new building now, I've, I've met a few people and they're so lovely and they're so sweet. And they're like, oh, you speak Spanish? Okay. You know, yeah. so it's, a, it's such a great connection. But people around me now embrace that They're like oh that's so great like oh I love Luis he's great and you know I never knew his story and I'll tell them like oh is that where he's from that's great but you know a few years ago 10 plus years ago it wasn't necessarily like that it was like yeah. why are you speaking in Spanish around me and I was you know sadly to say I'd be afraid too I'm like oh sorry we can't talk like sh- like but now I think because you can only talk to your mom in Spanish <laughs> too so it was like mom gotta call you later sorry yeah. Oh my God. I do remember that too. I'd like quietly having to speak to her because I don't want to be in trouble, you know, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff you hold back in your culture, which, you know, I hope that things just change now. And I mean, I'll go as far as like, reply on emails like gracias, Rosa, now, like with my coworkers and Me everyone. Too. Like, I do it too now too. Because yes. you know what? Like, I also yeah. like, well, I also want to like drive home the point that just because I, I'm fluent in Spanish, you're fluent in Spanish. Like we're not here to like, um, 
call the nanny or, you know what I mean? Or like, we do that because like, we, we love them. Like, that's just mm-hmm. it. But we're like, if there's a project and you're working on it and it's in Spanish and you don't know how to read it, like you should be coming to me. Cause like, I can read that. Like I can mm-hmm. translate that. Like I can have a conversation yeah. with a client in Spanish. Like I can do all those things. Like, don't just come to me for like the, Oh, like, can you call like my landscaper? And like, yeah, you're right to him. Like, yes, I, I can do that, but I like, I'm going to think about it. And also don't, don't pull me in for that shit. Like pull mm-hmm. me in for like the projects that like, I can really like utilize my skill set, my language. Like that's where mm-hmm. I want to be utilized. Um, yeah, they never, wrong. they don't think about that. And that's absolutely true. I've had both situations where you're right. They only called me for the smaller things. Right. Like, there was a meeting or even some kind of translation. It was, I wasn't necessarily the first thought, you know, they'd go to the other manager that, you know, went to school in Spain. So he knows some Spanish. But like, like Spain I, and Latin yeah. America are completely <laughs> different things. Like if you like are the cultures are so different. So, yeah. you know, you're from Ecuador and my parents are from Central America. Like our culture is very different from Spain. Yeah. So if you're looking for <laughs> intel on like what people think about in Central America and Latin America, like right. we can give it to you. Like, don't go to the guy who did his like, you know, semester abroad in Barcelona. Like he doesn't know yeah. shit. I'm sorry. Like, he <laughs> like we watched the novelas. We did all of that. Like yeah, we, we're, we're tuned into it. Um, okay. So we're going to, we have like a couple more, a few more minutes. I want you to tell, cause it's a lovely story and I want you to tell, um, and talk a little bit about because you ended up finding love later in life and yes. and it's amazing <laughs> because like here you are like you're raising your daughter you're hustling you're working hard you're grinding like you know like perhaps you were dating here and there but then like later in life you found love how did it yes. go uh robert oh robert we met i was 34 and i met him and he is a little older, he's divorced and he was raising his two kids. So immediately I was like thrown off because like, you don't necessarily hear of a single dad raising his kids, you know, full custody. So immediately I had like profound respect for him wow. and a friend introduced us, a friend, a coworker that was from my original first job. So it was like all full circle to me, you know, it was the, the hardest job ever. It was my first job ever. And it was like, it really like, really molded me half of the person I am today I must say it had such a great impact on me and she was part of that story like that's where I had met her and then here we go really full circle (laughs) 20 years later you know 20 plus years later she's like hey we're still in touch you know she was that good of a friend co-worker and she was having a party and she knew him from school she knew me from work and we just met at her house and you know, immediately he says, you know, he was completely in awe of me. I, it took me a second, but we definitely had, you know, stuff in common. Like we love to dance. So immediately I feel like our first dance, I was like, what, okay, what were you guys dancing? <laughs> we were dancing salsa. Oh my gosh. That's beautiful. And that's, you know, that was a culture of me that I suppressed a lot going down wall street and, you know, I learning more about like Bon Jovi, not that anything's wrong with him, but I love him. <laughs> For like Journey and Bon Jovi and all those kind of things. I never listened to growing up. Like I never listened to this. But yeah. here I was like going out with my coworkers and all they was was like rock and, you know, going to see a band and yeah. Red Lion, the city. I mean, they're all amazing places and I had so much fun. But my original and like taste of love of music is all Spanish music. Salsa, merengue, bachata, cumbia, right. vallenato, 
all of that. I listen to it all day long. I don't yeah. listen to anything English. Like I do yeah, not, yeah. not hip hop, not rap. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I like it. Are, is that, are you into Bad Bunny or is this like just yes, me? So I do okay. Okay. Like, I'm like, I'm like, now. Yeah. But like funny. anything Spanish. So I could, we immediately connected to that. You know, Robert yeah. listens to all types of music. He's actually brought me into like R&B, but the Spanish, like really, I was just like, what a connection. He was a manager at an airline, you know, so he, you know, understood the, like the whole industry where corporate world, I could bring him to a Christmas party, you know, it was black tie events for him. And again, he, we didn't see each other in the, in the beginning a lot. You know, he had his kids, I had my kid. It wasn't when we had free breaks, we would see each other. And he was so mature about it. He embraced a lot of that, um, you know, freedom. He gave me a lot of space. And I think that's what really brought us together is that one, we had similar backgrounds too. We were very committed to our jobs. You know, his job was everything for him. He had also been there 30 plus years, wow. well-respected in his industry. Um, but he was like very calming and like such a good connection with me where I was like super energetic at times and like, you know, sassy self. He was just like, calm down, Rosa. <laughs> and he still does. Yeah. But we had, we had so much fun. We still do. We have so much fun where we could be super serious about something and focus. And then he'll be like, listen, this is not the end of the world. Let's just, you know, laugh it off and, you know, let's go dancing before COVID. We were dancing all the time. We still do. <laughs> so I you miss guys that. Would go out dancing. Oh my God. All the time. Oh we're empty God, nesters so now. We would go dancing every weekend and Where'd he is. Go? In New Jersey, oh my God, Mama yeah. Juana, the places that probably have not like all teeny boppers and 30 year olds, but we were in there, I don't care. You know, I'm in my 40s, he's in his 50s, we were there dancing until like two in the morning. I love it. You guys <laughs> are so fun cute. things to do, you know, as a couple, as empty nesters, and you know, you need to keep it just fun. You know, there are many times when we just sit home and lay on the couch and yeah. watch Netflix, but we we both like I like to be entertained in music and I love like the, the, the ambiance and he does too you know so it's a, it's a good compliment at times yeah I just love it because like you um like you know in Spanish they say tu media naranja right like yeah. you met him late like you met him later in life after you like had raised your daughter and hustled and um really like overcame so much like hardship like you really like you met him, like you guys buy your house together. Like, I know I mean, he was so-, so good as far as the stability in my life. Right. Um, but he also, you know, he also, he had a lot of patience with me because I must say it was very hard in the beginning for me to let someone in. And I felt right. like distrust and, you know, he even wanted to have a child in the beginning. And I, I immediately, I was like, no, what did you leave me? Like, maybe I didn't say it out loud but in my head. I was like, what if this, you know, goes to shit and I'm right. left alone with another kid and I have to raise another kid. I was so traumatized. It's only why I have one daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily a good reason or a good thing, but I was yeah. very traumatized of like how hard it was, you know, and he understood that he was very patient with me and even getting married. I thought maybe not, like, I don't know, like, what if this doesn't go anywhere? And I still feel very independent. And he gives me that freedom where we can go out to drinks tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm going out with Vanessa. And he's like, all right, great, have fun. You know, not a lot of Latino men will do that. And oh, I think, I think that's no. why you don't date, you never dated Latino men. <laughs> <If> <laughs> like, Rosa, don't say that. I, I, like all the Latino men are not going to like, like unfollow. No, no. I mean, but I mean, it's something it's, that we grew up with our parents too. I must say, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, yes, I've definitely seen it, you know, in my family. Um, 
I don't. It's a scary thought. It, yeah, yeah. Especially because, I mean, you know me, like, I'm also, like, super independent, too. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I mean, but this is a conversation for a whole other episode yeah. because we can talk about this. You're right, you're right. Starting out topic. But he totally was the opposite of that. So he he broke that stigmatism that I yeah. had. And he embraces it where he's like, go have fun. Don't even, doesn't even, he's sleeping by the time I come home. Like he totally like, does that trust and freedom because he's so secure. And I yeah. love that, you know, that's and that's so sexy mean. in a man where he is so confident and he's so sexy about it. Like, he's just like, it's good. Like you're going out. I trust you. You trust me. I go out. Everything's fine. And there's just a, no questions asked. And I never really experienced that, that, you know, level of maturity in our relationship. So I, I give him a lot of credit because I feel like I sometimes still need that freedom where not that I, I've missed out on, on like traveling or going out, having these Cancun trips that you all did at your age, but sometimes I do feel like I want to go out with my girlfriend, not, not you know, um, have to report to anyone, so to speak, right? right? Yeah. And he gives me that like, hey, I'm your husband. I'm not like your keeper or my owner yeah. and you don't have to like report anything to me. You just tell me and we're great, you know? And that's just like the kind of marriage that everyone should have, right? So it's like this that. like relief. Yeah. Like, you know, you love each other, but you trust each other. Again, I had never experienced that before. So I'm so grateful for that. It's a healthy relationship. That's what it, that's what it should be and sound like. Yeah. I love that. Um, So I'm going to end it with asking you, what would you tell 16 year old Rosa? Rosa, God, poor Rosa, 16. (laughs) She was so scared. (laughs) You know, I just, Honestly, I would say you stop being so scared of what people think of you. And I think, and and not just 16, I think at any life people think that, you know, and, and, but I remember being really scared of being judged um, and, and wanting to fit a certain mold, even at that early age, you know, I knew immediately that I wasn't going to fit in. So I was going to portray something. So, you know, I tell her, you know, everyone's going to judge you no matter what, right? The older we get, you know, that any age, someone's going to judge you. Yeah. You know, it, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't matter, you know, where you grew up. People are still going to judge you. So stop worrying so much about impressing them. And I'd say just, you know, worry about impressing yourself. Because once I started really like doing stuff for me, like it was a whole different outlook that I had, you know, and I tell that to my daughter now, I'm like, don't worry about what people say, people are going to judge you anyway. I know it's such a cliche, but it's true. Like, and once you really, really stop focusing on that and you just do it for you, like, that's what I tell myself. Just worry about impressing yourself. I love that. I'm going to, I want to tell six year old, six year old <laughs> Vanessa that too. I love yeah, that. We're always, we're always so worried about what people say, right? Even at this age, I, I get it. It's, it's, you really have to focus in on it and not let it, you know, overwhelm you. Um, I feel like at any stage in life that that goes, you know, even now, I sometimes I feel like, oh no, I'm falling into this, you know, dark hole again, where I'm like so worried about what a coworker is going to think or my boss is going to think or or my mom's going to think, you, gotta you know. Stop your, you got to nip it in the butt yeah. when that's happening. Well, that's so like, no, you no, nip no. it, you're like, all right, stress-free. And it's yeah. just like life is so much easier that way. For sure. Mm. Um, Rosa, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, 
for being my first podcast episode. So excited. Um, Thank I you for having me. I was, when I saw your post on Instagram, I was like, this is amazing that she's starting this. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, should I request to like, you know, speak? And I was like, nah, like no one wants to hear this. Oh man, everyone wants to And then you reached out to me. And I, like, you, <laughs> I know I did because you were one of the first people I thought about I because these, these are the kind of stories that I, um, that I think need to be shared. Like there, we hear the success stories of like, you know, the people we worked with who like their, their kids had, you know, were trust fund babies. And we're like, yeah. we like, don't, we didn't have any of that shit. Like we had yeah. like, you know, <laughs> fresh tortillas at home. Like we didn't have like, trust funds or anything. So like, you know, I know. Th- this, these you. are the stories that I want to amplify. They matter. Like you are a tremendous success story. Um, I, I like, I think people that will listen to this will see that and will be so proud of you and, and just like, oh, I hope so. want to like give you like virtual hugs <laughs> until we can all see. Each I other. hope so. Yeah. There's been met so many people along the way that, you know, I probably didn't give enough credit to, but so many people shape me and help me grow in this industry. And just as a, as a mom, I had a lot yeah. of friends that really, really taught me learning from them. You know, eventually you found moms that were like in the industry with same kind of age kids. So I think, you know, I, I, told, I think I told you once too, that I defined myself through work, you know, and I was a very, it was a very like harsh thing to say or cold. I'm like, wow, it's really, I define myself through work. That's crazy. But then the more I thought about it, it was like, no, I define myself as being like Jasmine's mom. Like that, that is like, that that is the best, best scenario for me. Like I could die in peace. I'm always like, it's fine. You're fine now. Like you have a a great job and she's moved down. She's just turned into this wonderful person. I'm like, I only have myself to thank. And that's just like, that's so amazing. That's more amazing than, you know, actually getting my college degree. (laughs) Like I raised a kind, wonderful human. Like, I and she I know and she's the best so I know and she listens to this she's probably gonna cry listening she is she's my so. biggest fan which now now I'm her biggest fan right so we're like she said even on Mother's Day yesterday she was like I'm so happy we're at a stage where you know we're besties and we could talk about anything we really could we could talk about anything you know and, and I'm glad that I've, I've we've changed that as far as you know growing up with our parents not being able to speak about a lot of things yeah. that yeah. we have totally like you know crushed that and we're like even things we don't want to talk about, we'll talk about. And, yeah. You know, Not surviving, something... but thriving as yeah, mother exactly. and daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. Thank well, I love you. having you, Rosa. Thank you um, for having me. Thank you me. so much. And This is um, fun. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm going to listen to all of your other podcasts, so please keep them coming. I hope you Thank have. Thank you. I know you're going to have amazing guests coming up, so I can't wait to hear Thank you so much. All right. So I will see you later. And thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye.